Welcome to Mile High Magazine. Mile High Magazine takes a look at the issues and people shaping events in Colorado. Presented by the Public Affairs Department of Bonneville, Denver. Here's your host, Murphy Houston. And welcome into another edition. It's Mile High Magazine. Happy Sunday. I'm Murphy Houston. And today we have a very special guest. It's Dana Rendernecht, who's with the uh, Community First Foundation, Director of Online Giving. Did I get that right? That's right. That's right. I'm stunned. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and everybody knows about ColoradoGiving.org and the Day of Giving, Colorado Giving, which we just had recently. Yeah, just... It's huge. Millions of dollars have raised... And you're kind of behind all of this, right? I am. I make the magic happen. Well, let's let's talk about that. First, you're with Community First Foundation. Right. Who is that? So Community First Foundation is a community foundation which me in located in Arvada, and our job is to connect nonprofits and donors. So anything you love as a donor, we're trying to find a nonprofit that does that so you can support them. Which means it goes well beyond just Colorado Gives Day. Correct. Because that's a big day. Because that's the biggest day of giving in the state. Yeah. I think you did like $36 million, Yeah, we you? did $36 million last in December. That's incredible. I, mean, I know. It, it's, it's crazy. That's one day. One day. It's. And then the rest of the year, as I like to refer to the other 364 days of the year, we raised another $12 million. That, that's such a good job. Do you find people in Colorado are extremely generous? I do. And I think the success of Colorado Gives and Colorado Gives Day is that everybody wants to be so generous, but they don't know how to be generous. They don't know where to go to find nonprofits that are good nonprofits that are doing things that make them excited. How do I get to those? That's a good point because you hear about the big, the big ones all the time. And no That's offense right. to them, they're, they've got some marketing bucks and they're out there and they get involved with a lot of big community projects. But there are so many good little nonprofits that might just strike a chord with you. That's right. And the cool thing about Colorado Gives, coloradogives.org, is you can go in and put your zip code in and you can find a nonprofit that's operating in your backyard. And it's always amazing who's truly in your backyard, who's in your zip code. Really? You don't even know that stuff? That you don't even know. Well, how many nonprofits do we have in Colorado? We have around 20,000 nonprofits in the state of Colorado. We have... Seriously? Seriously. 20,000? 20,000. We have a very entrepreneurial spirit here. So people come out here and they start nonprofits. So there's lots of little nonprofits. There's lots of big nonprofits. And they're all over the state of Colorado, too. Well, how many do you deal with? You do with all 20,000? Not yet. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) We have about 2,300 on the site right now. That grows about 300 every year. We're always working with new folks, trying to get them in. And just really trying to expand outside of Metro Denver, too. Oh, there's so many needs outside the big city. That's right. People have a tendency just to focus on Denver because we're the biggest part of the state. But you get away from Denver. There's a lot of need out there, isn't there? There is. There's a lot of need. And there's a lot of really interesting nonprofits doing really cool things. So people want to find out about nonprofits that you were. How do we do that? What do we do? You can go to coloradogives.org. Mm-hmm. You can put in your a zip code or anything that excites you. If you read a newspaper article, you hear something on the radio and you think, I wonder who's doing that in my community, in our community. You can go in and put that in there and it's going to bring up a list. And then the cool thing about the site that I don't think people really know is you can go on the site and learn more about those nonprofits. I was going to ask that question. How, if you're not sure, you see a name of a nonprofit. What are they about? So you can... Click on, we have a whole profile of each of our nonprofits. It lists their mission, 
their programs, their board of directors, their financials, everything about them, and then you can go in and learn about them. That's crazy. Does it have contact information, too, for that particular nonprofit? It does, and a website for that nonprofit if you want to go to their website and see their website as well. So you can do a lot of research ahead of time before you decide where you want to give your money. Right, exactly. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. I bet a lot of people don't know that. I think that's true. And that's why you're here today. (laughs) (laughs) And... Is it safe to give online then through what you do? It is. And we do a lot of work on that to make our site safe and secure. And the other thing to know is when you give on Colorado Gives, we're actually giving that money directly to the nonprofit and we're giving your information to the nonprofit so they can work on cultivating you and teaching you more about what they do. So you don't get a cut of that money or? We actually do not. There is a 2% processing fee and that goes to those third parties, the banks, the credit card companies and all that kind of stuff. This is a program of Community First Foundation and we're paying all the back end dollars. They pay my salary, the upkeep of the site, all those kind of things. So is it like a GoFundMe thing you hear so much about or Fundly? Is that one Fundly? Fundly. It's, I think, and I am biased, but I think it's way better than that. Okay. Because what I'm learning more and more about those like GoFundMe, which are great options, those tend to go to individuals. So if you want to raise money for an individual, which is great, you can do it through that. It's not tax deductible, which it is through our site. Um, And you're never... 100% sure if that money's going to get to the right individual. And I can tell you through our site, it is getting to the right right nonprofit that's going to do the work you want them to do. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought if you don't, like a GoFundMe account, Mm -hmm. are you sure the money's going where you want it to go? Right. And you hear horror stories about that where it's not getting to where you think it's going to go. So it's like a fraud deal? It can be a little fraud or it's a, yeah, there's... You know, there's, I like to say, ornery people out there not doing necessarily good things. And sometimes on those GoFundMe pages, they'll set up a page and you think you're helping somebody. You're not necessarily helping them. So, Oh, you know, there's scams all, all over, aren't I there? I know, it's so sad. Well, and it's scary because it, I, right. think, I think it hurts the true nonprofits or whatever organizations because really, is that really working? But if they have questions, again, they can go check out your website to find out. That's right. And- just to give you a little bit more on our website and what nonprofits have to do to get on our website, right? they have to be a 501c3. So they have to be registered with the IRS that they can important. take donations. Right. They have to be registered with our Secretary of State, which says that they can raise money in the state of Colorado and that they're a business in good standing in the state of Colorado. That's very important. And they have to, because we are Colorado-based, they have to be Colorado-based. They have to be actually operating in the state of Colorado, having headquarters here, or they're actually doing good work in our state. Nonprofits are uh, interesting to deal with. And what should donors know before really giving? All that stuff you just mentioned, but is there more they should know before they start giving their dollars? I always think it's good to really look at what's important to you. What are the programs they're doing? So I want to know what how, what their impact is. How many kids are they serving? How many you know meals are they serving? How many pets have they saved? Um, I also think it's good to look at their board of directors. Do they have a, an engaged board of directors who are actually attending meetings and and really helping the organization? Right. And do they have events? I, I think sometimes. And- friends that I have like to go to an event 
right. of a nonprofit. Eh, let's see what's really going on here. And they're kind of in the background without being too upfront. Does that happen a lot? That happens a lot. And there's, I think you could go to an event in the state of Colorado for a nonprofit every well, with 20,000 of them, you would, your, your calendar would be full. <laughs> but I think that's a great way to go and learn more. Because right. a lot of times when you go to an event, they'll have somebody who's gotten something from them, a participant that's maybe their life has gotten better that can talk about how, their experience with that nonprofit. I think that's great. I also think it's great to go volunteer spend a day and go out and see what they're doing yeah that's a good idea because obviously if this group struck a chord with you why not give them a day or two right to find out if it's really what you want to do we it's a always good idea. we always talk about time treasures and talent so you give your volunteer time right treasures of are of course our hard-earned dollars yeah and then talent sometimes it's good to go maybe sit on their board of directors or it's part of that volunteer how else can you participate with them and then there's always in-kind donations. Now, what does that mean? Explain that. In-kind donations is things like a food drive. So I'm going to give oh. my canned food. Or how about uh, when you're cleaning out that closet, we're getting ready. Spring is coming. So we're starting to pull out those spring clothes. It's coming. Spring is going to come. Oh, <laughs> please let it get here. <laughs> but you can pull out your clothes and, and donating your clothes, those kind of things. That's in-kind donations. How about, in fact, I saw this on your website. Uh, in fact, what is your website again? Give it Our to website you. is coloradogives.org. A lot of good information there. Lots of good yeah, information right. there. And, and they, you talked about using e-cards for oh, a donation. Yeah. I'm going, yeah, I never even heard of e-cards. I've lived a sheltered <laughs> life, Dana. What are e-cards? I love the e-cards. E-cards are the best thing. So what I can do is... Um, Somebody did something really nice for me, or it's Mother's Day, or it's somebody's birthday, and we get to a certain age where you have way too much stuff, you don't need more stuff. So I can send an e-card to my friend, and my friend gets it electronically. That's the e part of okay, it. Okay. I send Murphy an e-card. Right. He gets to go on the website and choose which nonprofit he wants to donate to. Really? It's cool. So you put a certain amount of money on that e-card in that person's name. You put it where you want. And then the person gets to put the person gets to go on and choose the nonprofit. So it's my gift to you is the gift of giving. Oh, I love that idea. Is and that something it, you guys came up with or what? I, I'm not sure we came up with it, but it is something you can do on our site. So it's really a cool functionality. And would be easy to do too. Really easy to do. And it'd be better than another pair of socks for somebody's birthday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're helping other people. And you get to learn about a new nonprofit. I like that because there's a lot of nonprofits that I saw, you have a lot of obviously listed there. I'm going, I never even heard of these groups before. What do they do? It's really interesting. It's fabulous. Very educational. Right. There's a lot of different people you can help out there. And, and, and why do nonprofits need Colorado Gives? Why is it good for them? I think individual donors are very important to nonprofits. We hear about the money that big foundations give. Our, my organization gives grants too. So we fund different organizations. You hear about government support, but Government support is getting smaller and nonprofit need and the need in our community is getting larger and that money needs to come from individuals. And you want to give as an individual, I want to give to somebody who who makes me very happy, who makes me feel good about giving. And of course, you know, there are the tax ramifications of that giving and things like that. But there's also the nonprofits really need uh, your support to be able to do more of what they're doing. Yeah, that's it all takes money. 
It all takes money. And all of it's, a lot of it's donations for these groups. I mean, they right. might have a little outside support from some organizations. Companies but. and foundations and things like that. But individuals make up 80% of all giving to nonprofits. Is that right? That yeah. high? That's 80% it. of all money that comes to nonprofits comes from individuals. And, and the other thing, too, about what you guys do at ColoradoGives.org, I get stuff in the mail all the time from... Salvation Army or Denver Rescue Mission or the Food Bank of the Rockies, the big ones. But the little guys don't have that opportunity or that money, do they? Right. That's exactly right. And we talked about our site. The other thing that's really cool, because all those guys are on the site, all the big guys are on the site too, is you can go onto the site and fill up what we call our giving cart. And so you can, in one transaction, give to 10 different nonprofits or five different nonprofits, all in one transaction, which is really fun. So in other words, I want to give a thousand bucks and I want 200 to go here and 200 to go there. Really? Yeah, exactly. That's one-stop shopping for charities. That's right. It is. (laughs) It completely is. (laughs) And we talk about Colorado Gives Day, which is very important. And it's December 4th this year. Just a little preview. Yeah. But year-round giving is really important, too. And that's why I'm here in March talking about this is because nonprofits are operating 365 days a year and they need support 365 days of the year. And one of the things you can do on our site that I think is really fun is monthly donations. So if you want to give $10 a month to a nonprofit or because, again, we have that shopping, that giving cart, you can give um, $10 a month to three different nonprofits. I like that. It really is. So my question is, Dana, as I'm sitting here, why aren't all 20,000 nonprofits involved with you guys? You're, You're making their life a little bit easier by helping them get money. I think a big part of it is one of the um, things is they don't know about us. The other thing is right now we have an eligibility requirement where they have to be a nonprofit that makes at least $50,000 a year or 25,000 in net assets. So we don't have the really little, little guys on our site. Um, So that's part of the barrier. But, and then some just feel like they don't, they can do it fine on their own and they don't need us, which is great. As long as they're doing good work, we're happy. But uh, membership requirements like, okay, there's, 10 people involved with this nonprofit. Is that cool as long as they make the money? It's or? cool as long as they hit that 50000 We have a lot of nonprofits that are all volunteer run. We have nonprofits that have huge staffs. We have nonprofits with one executive director and maybe a good board. So it's all different sizes, shapes, and sizes. So how do nonprofits get involved? Do they have to, well, you mentioned the one thing, they have to have that, was it 5-3, whatever 501c3. Yeah, I never can remember that. <laughs> so difficult. <laughs> And what else? And uh, so we open up registration enrollment okay. no, uh, March 1st. So they just go to the coloradogives.org website. There's a button that says enroll. They listen to a 15-minute webinar. Oh, so it explains everything. That explains everything. And then they have to fill out that profile, which can take, I think, last year it was a 116 days that I don't think they worked on it every day. No, all those days. 116 days? That seems like forever. Honestly, I filled out two profiles, and they take about eight hours to fill out to get all the information together and put right, it up there. Right. Um, and then we review it, make sure everything's complete, 
everything's good and solid. We make sure they're a good nonprofit before we put them live. And then once they're live, you can start donating to so them. So you do like a little background research on them? Yeah, I do a little background yeah, research okay. like on Like the FBI? Or yeah, not you know? quite that much. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of crazy. But also I noticed on, on the website as kidsforcoloradogives.org. I'm going, what is that? So I clicked on and, you know, opens a whole new page and go, what a concept. What a great idea. Paying it forward, teaching your kids how to do that now. And, and on a lot of our stations here at Bonneville, we talk about that a lot. Teaching your kids at a young age how to start now and help out, whatever it can be. And you guys are a big proponent of that. We are. So now. we heard anecdotally that like grandparents and parents were sitting down with the kids on Colorado Gives Day and saying, who would you like to give to? But we wanted to make that experience more kid friendly. Sure. So we created, you go to the kidsforcoloradogives.org page and you can go there right off the Colorado Gives page and there's a quiz on there. And so kids can go on and they can take a quiz like one of those, you know, uh, all Facebook has tons of them now, and they can find out what kind of giver they are. And we have nine oh, categories. Like a personality type, quiz. right? Oh, yeah, you see those a lot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So maybe I'm an environmental giver, or I like animals, or and then they can click on that. Will take them to a page that has all the animal organizations that have chosen to do a kid friendly profile. So I talked about the adult pro- profile. Wow, right. We have four questions we ask the nonprofits and we ask them to talk to the kids about what do they do, who do they serve, what do their donations do. They can put up videos. We have videos on the adult site too, but videos and pictures and then kids can go and they can choose which one they want to give to. And then kids, most kids, I like to say, don't have credit cards. Well, no. (laughs) (laughs) So that e-card functionality comes into play. And you can purchase a gift card for a kiddo, and the kid can go on and use their gift card and give to whoever they want to. And they can earn those. Really? By doing chores and things. So if you think about it, one of the other pieces that as a parent, grandparent, I'm an aunt, my nephews, of course, are big kids givers. (laughs) Uh, They can do chores or they can do extra stuff. It's their birthday. I'll send them a gift card and they can go on and give. What a great idea. Do you think of that? Uh, with a little help. Oh, but yeah. Say, what a great idea, though. Seriously, think about it that. It seriously is. It helps kids, that, as I said, at a young age to start learning how to give and helping other people besides themselves. Right. And, and learn about life a little bit that you guys might be comfortable, but there's some folks that aren't. That's and, true. And you can help that out. There's a couple other things with kids give that are fun. Uh, when they give, uh, when they figure out which kind of giver they are, there's a... Uh, Picture they can download in color, which is fun, and do what they want to. And when they give, they get a thank you. And the other thing with Kids Give is all those donations are anonymous. If you want the nonprofit to know, you can put it in the information box. Yeah. But we're trying to protect those kids' identities as part of that child online privacy protection. So all the donations are uh, your kids' identities are safe. Well, that's an important question. This day and age, unfortunately, you have to be very careful about that. So is that used a lot? Is that a relatively new concept? It's a relatively new concept. It's been around. We started it uh, two years ago, about 18 months ago. And it's still relative. It's one of those best kept secrets. Yeah, well, it's not not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. We're Let's talk about it. People right now about it. <laughs> so, and I think the other thing I'm hearing on and over and over again is schools that are starting to research nonprofits as part of their kids' programs and stuff are using the site as a great way to find nonprofits that are kid friendly. That's a great idea. So, so teachers out there, 
plug in. Yeah, it's and, a great way to use to learn about nonprofits because you hear stories where kids will get excited about a nonprofit and then when they go to donate to them, can't figure it out. They can't find them. Oh yeah, they can't figure it out. Can't figure it out. But if you go to coloradogives.org, you can figure it out. <laughs> yes, you can. And I'm thinking, well, if I can do this, any kid could do this because I'm not the brightest bulb on the planet here. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the sad thing is that kids got it way before we did. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? They understand way more than we give them credit for. Uh, when we introduce kids, give one of the concerns was will they get the gift card piece? Kids get gift cards. You know, that's their world. That is their world. And they prefer gift cards. That's right. They don't want, uh, you know, clothes. I'll buy my own clothes. Just give me the gift card. Yeah. Just heard that from my granddaughter. You know, (laughs) thank you for that. But I prefer a gift card. Really? (laughs) Okay, then. (laughs) We'll make sure that you get one of those. That's true. So I wanted to ask about uh, Colorado Gives Day. You said it's like December 4th this year. Yes, it is. Why do you do it once a year? So we do it once a year for a couple reasons. First, to really raise awareness about all the nonprofits in our state. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of deadline driven. And so it forces, <laughs> you know, it gets me to to give and to, to focus on one thing. Uh, we were one of the first states to start a gives day now they're all over the country we are the second largest gives day in the country is that right yeah which is really exciting to what me what is number one north texas so dallas fort worth area no, big areas there but not california you might think california well i think california because they're all broken up oh uh, and nobody california is not doing a color california gives day i see uh so we started it in 2010 and our goal was to raise a million dollars and I remember going around in 2010, the economy was just starting to come back and people would say, oh, a million dollars in 24 hours. And I'd be like, oh, yeah. First year we raised $8 million. You must have been shocked. I was. I was shocked and excited and amazed. And the nonprofits were shocked and amazed. That's crazy money. It is crazy money. Well, have it at that time of the year, of course, you know, you're around Christmas and people are into that real giving spirit. Right. But it works. It worked. Yeah, we've raised through our site since our the site launched in 2007. Through our site, we've raised over $253 million. In how many years? In 10 years ten and years. eight years of Colorado Gives Day. So, and people just donate specific amounts of money. It's not like, okay, here's a bunch of money to Colorado Gives and you give where you think uh, the amount goes to where I might want you they pick all of that they pick all of it just like we've talked about here yep even on Colorado Gives Day you go on you donate you uh, pick your nonprofits to go to and we get that money to them and we get that money to them before the end of the year what so they're ready to go first to the next year that's like three weeks it's crazy how do you do that it's magic (laughs) there's little counting there's little yeah (laughs) we have little colorado community first foundation elves that are running around getting this done oh that's that's amazing thing uh it's uh dana renderneck i said that right that's right yes she's a director of online giving colorado first foundations with that we're talking about coloradogives.org did you were you here at the beginning when all this started, Dana? I started when the program was about six six months old, so I was there for the first Colorado Gives Day. I've lived through all the Colorado Gives Days and expanding the site. We had we uh, changed vendors, back end vendors to help us. We use actually a Colorado company to help us do the technology on this, as it should be, which is fun. It's yeah. a company called Civicor, and then. Uh, we use Civicor, and then we just expanded it, and it's gone crazy. It's gone wild. You're a happy person, aren't you, Dana? I am. <laughs> I can 
I am. And I have a great job. I can help. I mean, really. Of nonprofits. I mean, everything's positive. It's fabulous. You're helping people every day. It's true. Yeah. Are you hiring over there? Yeah. I kind of like helping people every day. It, it really is. Well, tell us about anything new that might be going on with ColoradoGives.org or what you guys have planned for the future, anything we need to be aware of. Do you do fundraisers? Do you do events like so many nonprofits? Oh, one of the things we haven't talked about that is a really cool thing that's a year-round opportunity, okay. and we're going into what I refer to as the spring running season, the that's, spring event yeah, season. You're right about that. You can go to ColoradoGives.org and create what we call a fundraising page. And that's a peer-to-peer page. So I can say, I'm going to go run a marathon. I'm going to go run Colfax, or I'm going to ride Ride the Rockies, or I'm going to climb a 14er. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. It's my birthday. I can create a page on Colorado Gives for my favorite nonprofit. I can send it out to my friends and say, hey, I'm doing this. Support me. And they can donate through the site, and the money all goes to that nonprofit, but you're doing it in the spirit of your friend doing a crazy marathon or whatever. That's a great idea it really is because i know a lot of people that do do that it's true in fact one of the fellows here at uh, one of the other radio stations that get this mile high magazine is doing a fundraiser for his daughter for the american heart association his granddaughter because she had heart surgery oh, and he wanted yeah. to give back and he's asking people on the air if you can help support what i'm going to do i'm going i gotta tell him about this it's true because yeah. then you could put a picture of the granddaughter up and why you're doing this maybe even a little video talking about why you're doing this right. a paragraph and then again you know it's safe and secure because it's coming through the colorado gives website you know it's it's going to go to the American Heart Association or the whatever nonprofit right, right. you choose. And then the money, you know, it's a great deal. And that information is on ColoradoGives.org it is. for that. ColoradoGives.org. They're called fundraising pages. What a good idea. What else you guys doing over there? Come on. Oh, my Gosh. goodness. Look well, look at all the stuff we're doing I mean, monthly. Really? I mean, I might even start a nonprofit. <laughs> But you're doing good stuff. Yeah, it's great. It's really fun. And again, you can go there, learn about new nonprofits, figure out ways you can connect with them. Um, we're starting to think about how, what you know what's fun and exciting for Colorado Gives Day. We redid the website last year, so it's a fresh new website, easy up to, to date, use. easy e- to use. It's really easy to use. Mobile friendly. Well, yeah. Well, from people like me, that's important. Yeah. You know, it, it, it really is. And we, I know we talked about this a little earlier in our little discussion, but if people have just tuned in and, or getting excited and going, well, what did you say? We have a nonprofit. How do how do I get my nonprofit involved with ColoradoGives.org? So make sure you go to ColoradoGives.org, look for the Enroll button, click on that, and you just get started, and you can go through the process to get up and running on the site. Wow, that's a fantastic idea, you guys. Really, really a good idea. It's really fun. Yeah, it is a nice way for your charity to make some money and explain the exposure. I, I like the exposure for your charity on this popular website that explains what you're all about. Because people see names in the newspaper or something on TV and go, well, what, 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 what are they? Right. And then they have a chance to explain that. And they can go, because we talked about this, but for those that just tuned in, you can go to coloradogives.org and read an entire profile about nonprofits. So see what their financials are. What are their, all the programs they're doing? What's their mission? What's new with them? All that fun stuff. It's all good. Do you have a lot of volunteers that work with you guys direct? How, how does that work? How, we many, how many actually, people work there? We have 25 folks that work at Community First Foundation. Oh, right. and. Let me tell you a little bit more about what we do in general. Please do. So Community First Foundation, as I said, is a community foundation located in Arvada. We have the Colorado Gives Online Giving Program, but we also have a program that we call um, Community Impact. And one of one, 
one of our, that's our granting area. Sure. And they do something called the Innovator Society. Our focus is mental wellness. Uh-huh. And Innovator Society is kind of a starting point for people to try new innovative mental wellness. This year we're working on stigma. And we have six innovators that are going to talk about their programs and tell us what they're doing and kind of create new programs wow. around that. How do we get involved with that? So that site you need to go to is Community First Foundation and learn. click on the innovator button and learn more about that. Okay. And then we have a philanthropic services, which is really our fundraisers. And we have donor advised funds and nonprofit endowment funds where we're trying to build funds for the future of nonprofits and for donors to have a savings account. If you want to create a donor savings account. Where, do, that's, where, where does the monies come for you guys for Community First Foundation? Uh, it comes from uh, donors. We get some donors, and then we also have uh, had some luck with other things, the nonprofit endowments and all that kind of thing. So we have uh, we have a good corpus for us. Well, yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. You guys are doing good work. Lots of fun out there in Arvada. Well, it is. And I and I think we're going to use Dana here on Mile High Magazine because we like to talk about what people are doing out there, what communities need or what organizations right. are there. And you've got a list of a lot of people that might need some of our help here. That's right. We'll start sending them your direction. I like talking to people. Can you tell that? <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to learn what's going on in our community. Yeah, and, and, and I learned a lot. As I said again, go into your website, coloradogives.org, because all these charities are there. And I just start rolling through them and going, who knew? Who knew? Who knew that was happening? (laughs) And like you said earlier, maybe right in your backyard. You don't even know that's going on. That's true. Well, that's good. Well, Dana Renderneck, thank you. Director of Online Giving, Community First Foundation, coloradogives.org. It all comes together. Remember, December 4th. So start saving your bucks and go to the website and see what's out there and where you want to put your money this year. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming in. And thank you guys for listening to Mile High Magazine. We hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll be back next Sunday right here on your favorite radio station. Now, we continue with Mile High Magazine. Here's your host, Adam Morgan. Relationship violence is not okay. It is okay, though, to ask for help. Our Colorado community values health well-being, and will not tolerate relationship violence in any form. Such are the headline and opening words at the StandUpColorado.org website, the movement to end relationship violence. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. One in seven people in Colorado have experienced relationship violence in some form. Also known as domestic violence, relationship violence is behavior used to intimidate, threaten, to maintain power and control over another. The Colorado Coalition Against Domestic Violence are the architects of the Stand Up Colorado campaign to not just bring awareness to the issue, but to end the behavior altogether. Leading the coalition is Executive Director Miss Amy Miller. There's some kind of risk involved, right? Yeah. So people who are in an abusive relationship um, are dealing with those and making decisions based about those daily risks and they're dealing with the risks that they know already from a person that's been abusing them. So it's counterintuitive, but sometimes it's actually safer to stay in a relationship until you can get some things lined up um, and get the courage 
to yeah, leave yeah. because you're living in an atmosphere of threats and intimidation and coercion and you've been you might have been physically abused already and with threats that that'll happen again yeah. if you try to leave or you know if you don't do things a certain way or whatever it's almost like I think it's helpful for people to, to know that it's way beyond physical abuse, right? Right. And sometimes there's not even ever any physical abuse that happens in these relationships. Um, but to know that there's this atmosphere that's always there of um, intimidation, um, of, of threats, of fear um, that's real and it's intense. It's almost like being a hostage yeah. oh, in sure. your relationship, which wasn't like that in the first place right it was you start dating somebody you go on in the relationship because things are good and it's insidious the abuse and the control creeps in yeah over time and then even in that atmosphere you still have good times with that person and what a lot of people want they really want that person to change their behavior yeah they don't necessarily want to end a relationship or break up a family that's they want for sure. that person to change their behavior. Now, um, and, and in some cultures, right, yeah. that's really taboo, you know, or it goes against the religion or that's true. there's all these things that are being balanced by that person, those daily risks and those risks from that person that's being abusive. So those decisions get really much more complicated than most of the rest of us ever have to make. You mentioned earlier that sometimes with the respect to relationship abuse and uh, the signs, those kinds of things go on, um, that you've seen them as early as 10 and 11 years old. When we are, I guess, I guess we all are, you know, not all of us, those who are, 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 are not married, um, in meeting people and trying to evaluate them as people and human beings, many times they give us um, indicators, but because this is a new and exciting relationship, we overlook them. And then next thing you know, they're in this abusive relationship that they shouldn't have been simply because we either romanticized it and overlooked it and then bingo, you're done, you're stuck. So do we need to do a better job of looking at the whole person? And I know you're not a psychologist, but the whole person and the indicators that they're giving us. And that would probably help to make sure that uh, ladies, especially ladies, don't end up in, in that kind of relationship in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of it is educating people about what relationship violence really looks like. Yeah. Uh, most people are pretty limited in their knowledge of how this plays out on a day-to-day -day basis. Most people are really focused on, oh, well, you know, somebody's hitting their intimate partner, right, or otherwise physically mm -hmm. abusing their intimate partner. But there's so much more to it than that. Is it that we don't want to deal with it because if Amy is wonderful and she may be beating on me yesterday, but I, I love that part and I, I, I'll just forget about the bad part and just stick with the good part and we overlook it and then we go further and further in and then you know that we're is, in trouble that's certainly part of the dynamic and yeah. we all do that yeah whether our relationships are healthy or not right yeah we all you fall in love with somebody 
And in that process, you are focused on what's good about that person. I'm sure every single one of us, any, any of us who've ever fallen in love with somebody, have found ourselves defending that person against any tiny little criticism that's an outsider yeah. might make, right? Um, and, and part of that is minimizing what that person did or justifying what that person did because you love that person yeah. and you don't want to see their flaws um, you know, and we all have them, yes, right? right? And we all do this. Put the makeup on my flaws, right? Right. Now. Yeah. So this same thing happens in relationships that turn slowly abusive and controlling over time. And like I mentioned a minute ago, those bad times aren't um, ever present. There are good times too, where that person remembers why they fell in love with that person in yeah, the first place. True. And that person that's being abusive continues to promise that that'll never happen again. And I swear I'm going to change my behavior. Right. Yeah. And they can. That behavior change is absolutely possible. Um, but it takes, you know, a commitment. It takes acknowledging you have a problem. Yeah, and that's takes, what I was going to say. Like commitment. an alcoholic, you have to acknowledge it. And a lot of guys, and I'm going to pick on guys because I'm one, uh, guys don't want to do that. You know, That's right. Because say, well, it's, it's okay. I won't do it again. I can handle it. Right. Or it can be viewed as a sign of weakness to acknowledge that, you know, you're, you have flaws. Um, yeah. Though, really, we all do. We're all human, right? Sure. None of us are perfect. But I think that plays into some of the issues around masculinity and how that's defined in our culture, right? Yeah. Um, and feeling like you um, can acknowledge Mm -hmm. that you've got a behavior problem that you need to work on, right? And to actually seek help from somebody. And there's stigma associated with all of that, right? Stigma that you're a weak guy. That you're a weak guy or that you're mentally ill. If you have to admit she said something and did something and you don't have control of it, something's wrong with you, man. Right? Although, like, this is not a mental health problem um it's a social problem yeah um it's rooted well, some in of it's gender inequities they, they internalize this is who i am right and it's up there in the head first and i have to demonstrate right i'm like the other guys right you're huh. exactly right and there's a lot of pressure on men unfortunately to stay contained in this pretty small little box mm-hmm. um of how masculinity is defined and what's acceptable um and where you really have strength is actually in acknowledging that um, I have an issue and I need help. Okay. I mean, that takes strength. Oh, yeah, it does. It does. Are we finding the same thing or, or is your org- organization finding the same thing among LBGQ communities to abusive relationships do happen? I guess they could because a relationship relationship. It doesn't matter what the orientation is. It's who's trying to control who about what. That's exactly right. So relationship violence can happen to anyone, and it does happen to people from all backgrounds, including people who identify um, as LGBT or Q. Um, And so the dynamics might look a little bit different in how um, that abuse is in power and control is playing out in that relationship. Um, But it this is an, an issue that really doesn't discriminate. Mm-hmm. It it affects and can affect 
any of us, sure. um, frankly. So you might have somebody who, um, you know, is threatening to out their partner to their boss or their coworkers when wow. that person hasn't control come, again. Right. Um, and so that's something you can hold over somebody's head to actually, you know, make them behave in certain ways, sure. to get your needs met, do what you want them to do or keep them from leaving mm-hmm. that relationship. Okay. Grab one. Um, I guess the, the other thing that really after a few months of seeing your 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 campaign on on the air stand up Colorado what is what is the goal what would you like to see when the first phase is completed it's probably going to be several phases along the way but um what are the change are you looking for are you looking for change in the abuser the abuse or people to who may know of such to also stand up and tell those other folks stop it you know go get some help so over the course of the campaign which uh-huh. we hope to we hope to run for at least 10 years yeah because if if not longer because we want to affect an entire generation of coloradans okay and and to get the ultimate change that we want to see which is really two things one that the community understands that this is their problem uh-huh. it's everyone's problem and that through the deeper education they're getting on what relationship violence is they're able to recognize it and then we also educate them about how to respond so we're and we're going to call these folks upstanders right we want them yeah. to stand up and take an active role in addressing this issue, whether it's at the individual level with somebody that they know who is abusing their partner and or their family or somebody they know who's being abused or just because, you know, in their history they had that experience, they know somebody that's had that experience, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and because it, it flows over into every sphere of society it, it really it, it affects all of us in ways that people don't really even understand so yeah. that's one of the things we want to accomplish uh-huh. and what's the other one we also want people who are using abusive behaviors to realize that that is what they're doing and to realize that there's help out there and that they can change their behavior that they don't have to continue on with this existence where in reality they're only getting their needs met in that relationship. And yeah. that relationship's probably going to end at some point. Mm-hmm. So if they want to, to know what real love is, to be in a genuine, healthy relationship that is based on equality and respect, where there's give and take, right? Yeah. If, they, if that's something that they want for yeah. themselves, if they want their children to grow up healthy and to go on to have good relationships sure. in every sphere of their life, not even just intimate partners, right? Yeah. Um, then they can seek change for their own behavior. Yeah, yeah, they can seek right. that help out. Um, so we want that to happen. And actually there's one other thing that we want to accomplish. Sure. Um, we intend through this campaign to shift radically the social norm in our state around the acceptance of relationship violence as something that's inevitable that we have to deal with in our communities that we have to deal with in our workplaces in our neighborhoods and it's not inevitable our norm really that is our norm 
there are people that don't tolerate it. Yeah. But most people do. And you, you, you know that because of the lack of action okay. that people take on this issue. Um, so phase one is what we're in right now. There are three phases of this campaign. Phase one is doing a, that deep dive into all the different aspects, all the forms of relationship violence. Because for people to be able to intervene mm-hmm. um, or even recognize it in their own relationship or their own behavior, they have to know what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, like I said, just physical violence, right? Sure. It's emotional, it's economic, it's psychological, it's sexual, it's all of those things. Sure. And then phase two, we get into really messaging to people who are using abuse behaviors that there is hope, that okay. they can have relationships based on love and respect and mutuality and not be hurting their loved ones any longer. And actually getting people to reach out voluntarily for help. You are a person resorting to domestic violence, a person being the target of such behavior, or perhaps you're just seeking to assist someone caught in the relationship violence cycle. The Stand Up Colorado Helpline is available to assist. Their number is 855-978-2638. That's 855-9-STAND-UP. Our appreciation to Amy Miller, the executive director of the Colorado Coalition Against Domestic Violence, for continuing as our guest again on this edition. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Stay on your game. And we thank you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us. Now, we continue with Mile High Magazine. Here's your host, Melissa Moore. Well, good Sunday morning to you. Hi, I'm Melissa Moore. Thank you for joining us for Mile High Magazine. And with me today is Dr. Robert Worthwine. Did I say that right? You got it. All right. Dr. Robert Worthwine of the Colorado Office of Behavioral Health, Department of Human Services. Thank you for coming in this morning. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for being here. Kind of hard to talk about teen suicide, but it is a problem in Colorado. In fact, Colorado has one of the highest suicide rates in the entire nation. And what were you telling me off the air? We are fifth in the nation for teen suicides. Yeah. In 2016, Colorado was ranked fifth nationally for teen suicides. You know, and in 2014, the governor started an initiative to address mental health after the Aurora shootings. Mm -hmm. uh, And we developed the Colorado Crisis Service System. And part of the service system is uh, there are four components. There's the hotline where anybody and everybody should call, whether it's about yourself or someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll take calls um, from suicide to being stressed about school, bullying, um, drug addictions. They'll, oh, they'll okay. take all kinds of calls. Okay. So there's nothing really too small. It's really the per- what the person is perceiving as a, st- a major stressor in their life. Okay. And they don't know how to cope with it. Interesting. What is that phone number? Let's give that out right now. The phone number is 1-844-493-TALK-8255. And that's the text number. And the text number, uh, you should text 38255, text the word TALK. Okay. And when somebody finally does make that phone call, whether a teen, youth, uh, whatever their age may be, what can they expect? Um, They'll get a live person. They'll get a, a person who is trained. Um, to talk about what they're going through um, and kind of and go through the steps and first they'll say are you in immediate danger or mm-hmm. you, you feeling safe at the moment and then they'll talk about okay what are the what are the things you want what do you want to work on what do you need help with and they'll assess for the right types of services so we have other services we have walking clinics throughout the state 
Uh, we also have a crisis stabilization units. They're called. They're essentially uh, beds that you could stay in for a couple of days if you need a few days. Okay. And then um, sometimes they'll just talk. Okay. And most of the time, that's what they do. They just sit on the phone and they talk and they walk through it, and they talk about what the next steps are and and what the the youth needs to be successful. What are you hearing? I mean, what are teens, kids today, stressed out about enough that it's leading to this to be fifth in the nation? I mean, something's going on. Yeah, I you know Colorado is working on access to services. That that's a that's a key component. We we need to make sure the services are there for for folks to access when they are struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, teens are today, I mean, they're exposed to all the information that we're exposed to as adults, but we have the coping skills and the more the more developed skills to, to walk through them, to deal with them on a day-to-day. Mm. And um, think about our most stressful moments and imagine having half of the skills to cope with that. That's a great point. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot. And um, stress is perceptual. Um, stress is up, up, up the individual to say, uh, this is really hard. I mean, I don't know how to cope with it. Mm-hmm. So I really encourage not only the teens, but parents, friends, and other adults, call the crisis line if you're worried about someone else. Absolutely. Definitely don't wait. Let's give that number out again. It is 1-844-493-8255. So that's 844-493-TALK. You can also go to the website, which is coloradocrisisservices.org. Or the nice thing is you can text now. And I know for kids that is huge. So just text the word TALK, T-A-L-K, to 38255. What are some um, kind of red flags that as parents schools, counselors, I mean, they, they probably have even more training than the parents do. That parents are like, gosh, my child, just something doesn't seem right. What are, what are they watching out for? Um, th- there are a number of things, but any r- drastic shifts in personality, mm-hmm. um, more being more withdrawn, uh, th- those are the t- two really big ones that you want to look for. You want to look for drastic shifts and things seeming off. Obviously, any, any statement about death any statement about taking your own life should not be taken lightly. Even if it's made in a humorous way, uh, it should be addressed, and at least the conversation should be had. Right, right. Uh, and if you're just joining us, we are talking to Dr. Robert Worthwine, who is with the Colorado Office of Behavioral Health Department of Human Services. So what has Colorado done? We talked a little bit about the governor's uh, initiative, but what is Colorado doing to combat teen suicide? Uh, a big a big component is mobile response. So part of the crisis system is mobile response. So what, what mobile response are, they, they're professionals who will come out to your home. They'll come out to the school. They will come out into the community and meet you there, uh, especially for folks that are reluctant to go to the emergency room or reluctant to call a mental health center or call uh, a hospital. Um, these folks will come to you, uh, especially if, if you're reluctant to interact with police or worry about paramedics. Um, these are these are types of uh, services that we we believe will be effective in reaching out, but someone has to call. Okay, and that's the key. Someone. I know that's that what call. I keep hearing, and and I think sometimes you think of a teen um, who is in kind of that dark place. You know, how do we make sure that they have the phone number to call? How do we make sure that they know there is help out there? And I know the show and and getting the word out, but what are you doing in the schools to let the kids know you're here? So there are other initiatives out other than my department. Um, the Colorado Department of Education is working with schools on developing mental health services, school-based mental health services. Um, and uh, I'm happy to connect your your, view, your listeners and yourself with uh, with the department, and they can talk more in depth about their, their initiatives. So that's one initiative. Okay. Uh, the other is we are building a campaign, and we are um, increasing our campaign awareness to youth specifically. We are targeting this population as part of our, our campaign 
uh, crisis campaign specifically and thinking about mediums um web-based mediums uh, social media other ways to reach youth and and encourage them to to call but at the end of the day the most effective uh tool has been when a youth has an adult to connect to they're less likely to commit suicide mm. and that and that's key that is key right there and once again the phone number let's give that out one more time and the text number sure the phone number is one eight four 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 nine three talk which is one eight four 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 nine three eight two five five or you could text TALK to 38255. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Dr. Robert Worthwine, who is with the Colorado Office of Behavioral Health, talking about teen suicide. And I think it's it's sobering. I mean, I'm a parent of a teen. So it's sobering when you hear that we, I, you know, what an awful thing to lead the nation, fifth in the nation for teen suicide rates. Uh, is there a certain age that, that you're seeing more of or male, female? I mean, what's the demographic? Um, so it, it's 15 to 24 is the population when you, but um, don't be, don't think because 15, 24, it can't happen younger mm-hmm. and it, it definitely happens older. So um, I, I try not to narrow the demographic too much. It should, it should be about your experience with that person and saying they're struggling and uh, I could stay quiet and take my chances or I can talk about it mm-hmm. with them and they may not be receptive or I can call the hotline and have a conversation about my teens not perceptive and I'm concerned about them. Okay, so a parent, a teen, uh, someone who's just concerned about a teen finally makes that phone call and they call the number we've been giving out, that 844-493-TALK, or they go talk, text it to 38255. What is the next step then? These are trained counselors who are taking the phone calls, who are listening. What do they do? Um, so it depends on what you need in the moment. So they, they'll determine uh, the level of services. Obviously, if, it, if, it's a, if it's a true emergency and it's in the moment, call 911. Don't don't wait. Um, but the, the, you can also call the crisis line to, to, for where you you don't need an immediate assistance in that second. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not an emergency. So uh, still continue use nine one one if it's an absolute emergency. But there are there's also peers. So there are a couple other services. There there are peers. Peer is uh, someone who's been through it, uh, who's now been trained to work with others to walk through it. So there are though we have peers. We call the warm handoff as well. So if it's determined that you do need mobile services, um, that they will um, hand you off to someone else who will continue to talk, who's a licensed clinician who will walk more in depth. Um, or you can just walk through the steps and talk about what plan do I need to put in place? Who do I need to talk to? What will it take for me to be comfortable to mm-hmm. go to a professional? Is the crisis hotline like a what you call one time or do you find that people use it as a resource? And, and once they're comfortable calling... They, you know, something's going on with school, something's going on in their personal life. They keep picking up the phone and make that connection. Uh, keep calling as long as you need it. Uh, and we do find people that, that do call back uh, multiple times who decide that, that I need this. Uh, I thought I was okay. Uh, I'm not. Or, I, you know, I said I would follow up an appointment. I chose not to because I thought I could do it on my own. And I realized I'm still struggling. Call back. Okay. Okay. I think that's great advice because I, you know, I didn't know if it was one of those like, okay, you call once. We do this, we hand you off, but it sounds like it really can be for teens, uh, for people who need it, can be that adult connection that they're needing. Uh, it's definitely a source to go every, every, every the call as much as you need. Um, adult connection, I won't go that far. Okay, okay. Uh, that adult connection needs someone in your life. It needs to be a teacher. It needs to be a parent. It needs to be an aunt, an uncle, anybody who's just brave enough to say, hey, how are you doing today? Yeah. Let's talk. Like, I, I see, I feel like you're struggling. I want to be here for you. Um, here's this number that I want you to call. 
it's, some people are uncomfortable taking that first step. Hmm. Um, you're not putting the idea in someone's head, right? You're not putting the idea in a teen's head. If they're, if they're thinking about it, they've already thought about it. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's a great point. Uh, once again, uh, if you're looking to get some help, that crisis phone number, the crisis text line. And I think that's huge that you're doing texting, too. Yes. And we want to expand that as well. I was going to say. So let's do the text line first. And once again, yep. this is the crisis text line, um, If you know, for, for a teen who is struggling with suicide right now and those kinds of thoughts. Family member, uh, friend, somebody you know and you're worried about them. This is the number to call. Uh, the, the text line is uh, 38255 and text talk. Okay. 38255. Uh, and the phone number is 1-844-493-8255. And it is uh, confidential and anonymous. You don't. Ha- you can give as little information as you want. That's what I was going to ask you next is, especially because you talked about the mobile response team. So it's, you know, I was wondering, okay, are you mon- like monitoring the calls, finding out where this person is? How much personal information do they have to give to you? When they get somebody on the phone. That's up to the caller. Okay. Okay. So you truly are there and the people answering the phone just to help. It's not to get all the personal information. It's not, you know, for some people they are like, well, I don't want everybody to know I called. They don't need to worry about that. That's right. All right. It's a great resource we have here in Colorado, and hopefully we can start changing those rates. That sounds great. All right. Dr. Robert Worthwine, thank you so much for being here this morning. Hard topic talking about teen suicide, but I think even more sobering, if you were just listening, is the fact that Colorado has the fifth highest suicide rates in the nation. I know one of the facts that I was looking at was Mesa County back in 2016 had 49 suicides. So I know the governor's initiative and getting the word out there that, look, there is help out there is hugely important. And if you missed the phone number earlier on, make sure you want to get that. I want to make sure you have that. That number is 844-493-TALK. Once again, that is 844-493-TALK. And I love that there's the text feature going on right now as well. You can chat online. You can talk text to 38255. And talking about that online component, you can always go to coloradocrisisservices.org. Dr. Robert Worthwine, thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you for joining me on this Sunday morning. Always appreciate you and your time. I'm Melissa Moore, and this is Mile High Magazine. You have been listening to Mile High Magazine, a look at the issues and people shaping Colorado, presented by the Public Affairs Department of Bonneville, Denver. If you have a suggestion for a future program or a question, please send an email to publicaffairs at bonneville.com. Thanks for listening to Mile High Magazine.